Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time for the latest on the Brewers, Bucks, and Packers with the Fan Afternoon Show on 1250 AM, The Fan. On the ground, it's through a base hit. Here comes Yelich, and we are tied at eight. Ronnie Telez delivers. Another two-strike RBI hit for the Brewers. What an at-bat. Yeah, one of the best at-bats we've seen in a long, long time. Rowdy Telez fell behind early. It was a one-two count early in that at-bat, and then he just kept battling. Molome missed his spots. Finally had to come in with the bases with a full count, and Rowdy Telez able to find a hole in the right field. What an at-bat by Rowdy Telez. We're all tied. And McCutcheon rips one. Center field. McCutcheon, call him Andrew McCutcheon. Brewers have the lead, ten to eight. Oh yeah, highlights courtesy of Valley Sports Wisconsin. You heard Rowdy Telez game tying hit, and then Andrew McCutcheon's go ahead double for the Brewers to take the get the win in Game Three of this four game series against the Colorado Rockies. It is the Fan Afternoon Show now. It was Sparky's Midday Madness earlier, and later on it'll be the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball postgame show. But it is the Fan Afternoon Show, along with myself, Sam Schmitz, and across the side from me, Adam Roberts, producing as well. We are broadcasting live from the Lakeland University studios, offering co-op credit for your work experience. Learn your, learn your way at lakeland.edu. Also, this portion of the Afternoon Show brought to you by News Nation. Want the news without the noise? News Nation is news for all of America, reporting all sides, no spin and no agendas, Go to newsnationnow.com slash join us to find your news nation on your television provider. As I mentioned before, you heard to start the show, the Brewers with a crazy win yesterday. Kind of, um, it's been different for the Brewers these first three games in the second half of the season because clearly, aside from Brandon Woodruff's great outing, it's been the offense that's been winning these games for the Milwaukee Brewers against the Colorado Rockies. And now they potentially have a chance to sweep the Rockies in this four-game series. And we'll talk to Tim Allen about this series Aaron Ashby's extension, and now we heard Ethan Small be making his second start in the majors tomorrow against the Minnesota Twins. But have to talk about the offense, especially right now here on the afternoon show, 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 the fan. Hunter Renfro has been amazing. Roddy Telez has been stepping up finally, kind of getting his batting average back up there. But Hunter Renfro, especially. The man does not stop hitting homers. Um, I, I don't know how that... Uh... Here's Renfro in the left field. Did he do it again? Yes, he did. Hunter Renfro has homered in three consecutive games. A two-run shot this time. And Renfro is on fire right now. The Brewers add to their lead. It is now 5-2. to two. Once again, highlight courtesy of Ballet Sports Wisconsin. Hunter Renfro now with three home runs in three straight days to begin the second half of the season. Something we saw earlier before he got injured again against the Cincinnati Reds in that series as well. Hunter Renfro is capable of streaks like this, and he's capable of beating damn near your best hitter on this Brewers offense when he's hot. But unfortunately, a couple injuries have caused him to miss about 27 games in the IL. But man, oh man, in my opinion, that guy should be no lower on your roster and your lineup than third or fourth in your lineup behind Rowdy Telez. So this Brewers offense 
really is kind of what we've been hoping for and what we've been hoping to see all throughout the year. Because lately in the first half of the season, it was kind of the same Brewers offense. It was kind of home run or nothing, whole bunch of strikeouts, guys really struggling to put runners across the plate with runners in scoring position, especially with two outs. Oh man, especially in the first half of the season before the all-star break, how many times the Brewers offense have the bases loaded and two outs and get nothing out of it and no outs, especially some situations just I realize that they're a first-place team, and they're now two and a half games up on the St. Louis Cardinals after winning these first three games against the Colorado Rockies and potentially looking for a sweep this afternoon. But Brewers fans, doesn't it feel like they, aren't, they weren't playing like a first-place team? But this is kind of what you're hoping for as a Milwaukee Brewers fan, if they can put it together. We know the Milwaukee Brewers is franchise since 2018, especially in Council's tenure. They are capable of these gigantic second halves to end the season. Normally, it's to end up clinching a spot. Last year, that wasn't really the case. As they, they kind of were able to coast going into the playoffs, and it was pretty much a sure thing that they wrapped up the division pretty early before the postseason. This year, it's probably going to be more so like the norm, where you're going to have to probably keep on winning until the end of September because I know it's a two-and-a-half game lead, but if the Brewers once again go cold and the St. Louis Cardinals get hot, you could be looking at a real tight NL Central race, and I think that's probably going to be the case going forward. But this is what you want to see from this Milwaukee Brewers offense. These three games, I was talking to Kevin Holden and Tim Shea earlier on Sparky's Midday Madness. If you could encapsulate these three games and how the Brewers offense has been performing for the rest of the season, I think it kind of changes my perspective on the Brewers going forward, especially going into the postseason, if they can do this. And I realize it's only three games, but if you guys heard from Andrew McCutcheon and Hunter Renfro after the game, it's a conscious decision to do what the offense is doing. Andrew McCutcheon spoke after the game about how they're kind of just taking what the, off- or what the other team is giving them. They're not trying to do what they were doing in the first half of the season as much. They're not trying to just hit a home run every time they go up to the plate. Brewers fans, listen to this. Listen to what Andrew McCutcheon had to say after the game. If you want small ball, this is going to be music to your ears. It's just showing that, uh, like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's uh, taking advantage of what they give you, take what they give you. Uh, I think when we go through those ruts, a lot of times we try and create something that's not there. Um, and uh, we try to do a little too much. And I think uh, once we take the, uh, the next guy up mentality, when we're just like, all right, he didn't give me anything, next guy up. You know, And I think when we do that, continue just to trust the guy behind you. Uh, that's when good things happen. So. Um, you know, we're able to show that. We showed that throughout the game. I mean, Gilly getting on base, you know, in the, in the eighth inning. You know, he didn't give him much to hit. Worked the count, got on base, you know, and, uh, you know, Willie came up, got a hit. Um, you know, Rowdy, you know, it just, it just continues just to keep going. I think, uh, you know, we're able to, yeah, they just take what they give us. I think that's the, I don't know, I guess that's the new slogan. I don't know. You say it's a change in the approach. So I know it's a little hard to hear sometimes in that Brewers clubhouse after a game when you got music going after a win and then you hear other guys talking to some other members of the media and all that. But basically, if you couldn't hear all that well, that was Andrew McCutcheon after the game. Basically, the main takeaway from that is the offense made a conscious decision. They got together for the second half of the season and said, we are going to take what they give us in at-bats. You clearly saw that yesterday. So many, how many times the Brewers have three and two counts, two outs, and they're able to do something with it. Not like how they were able to do in the first half of the season as much as they'd like to. So you kind of heard there from Andrew McCutcheon, they're making an effort to try to move that runner, to try to get what they, whatever they can get, just one run, even if that's all it takes. Now Hunter Renfro clearly, you know, doesn't give a you know what. He's just hitting home runs, moonshots, especially that one on Saturday. But the rest of the offense, you kind of saw it yesterday. How many times too did they do what you wouldn't really expect from the Milwaukee Brewers? They were able to come back after they just lost the lead. I mean, how many times in the first half of the season did you think like, oh man, they just gave up the lead. Well, that's it. This offense isn't going to be able to put any, put up any more runs. And then Hunter Renfro kind of added to what Andrew McCutcheon said after the game. More importantly, Renfro kind of echoed what McCutcheon said about how the offense really made a conscious decision to try to go. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't classify it as small ball, but it is just Try to. It, I guess the main takeaway is what Andrew McCutcheon said. They're just trying to give, or try, they're just trying to take what the other team gives them. Not trying to really go a home run or nothing every at bat like they used to. This is Hunter Renfro kind of echoing what Andrew McCutcheon said. On top of that, really just wearing down pitchers is the main takeaway from Renfro. 
Yeah, it's third game. Uh, I think more than anything, I think we've kind of put a little bit more emphasis on uh, making sure we get guys over when we need to, uh, trying to drive guys in when we need to, and and uh, try to just put a little bit more extra focus on on the small details of it. And um, more than anything, and thing like I think it was maybe the first game and Cole laid a bunt down and, and uh, stuff like that, and things we hadn't been doing earlier. So uh, we're trying to just create runs any way we can, and and uh, seems to be working right now. And you did it late today with two outs, a lot of times two strikes. How was that? A re why was that a reason you guys were able to be successful? I mean, I think more than anything, we're just wearing down pitchers. You know, I think we're just trying to grind out of bats and, and uh, foul pitches off that are tough to hit and, and try to get our pitch so we can finally hit. And, and uh, like Cuts, I mean, he took some great pitches and they were foul some balls off and finally got a pitch we could handle and, and drove it out of center field. So, uh, more than anything, I think it's just, you know, we're trying to grind out of bats. We're trying to just do everything we can to uh, help these pitchers out as much as we can. So, um, that's about it. Well, that was Hunter Renfro after the game yesterday. You heard Andrew McCutcheon earlier. And the reason I played those for you before I ask you the question is because I want you guys to realize that what this Brewers offense has done these first three games in the second half of the season, it's a conscious effort. They're trying to move those runners without trying to get a home run sometimes if that's, if that, if that's what it means to get the win. This is a conscious effort by the Brewers offense. So I'm asking you guys, 414-799-1250, or can tweet us at 1250 in the fan. You can also comment on Facebook. We'll read those later on if we get a couple as well. But now that we know that the Brewers' offense is purposely trying to move those runners, what a trade for a bat, because we all know the Brewers will probably be adding a bat at the trade deadline, if not multiple. So what a trade for a bat to go along with this Brewers' offense and another strong second half to the season like they usually do, would that change your guys' view on this Brewers' team going into the playoffs? Because, look, when we talk about the Brewers, especially before the All-Star break and after it, I know, like I said, this Brewers team is a first-place team in the NL Central right now, but if you took the pulse of some of our fans and some of our callers here, it doesn't seem like it. And it's frustrating sometimes, even though they do have great pitching. Brandon Woodruff is finally getting back on track after dealing with the Raynaud syndrome and the ankle injury. He's looking like the old Brandon Woodruff. You still have Corbin Burns, who, by the way, himself has said that he is not performing up to the way he would like to. So it's scary to think that Corbin Burns can still get better. Freddie Peralta is right around the corner. Aaron Ashby hopefully can make strides in his first actual season in the majors. But I really do think that we could be talking about this Brewers offense and really Brewers team as a whole differently than how we were kind of viewing them before the All-Star break, if they keep doing what they can right now. And I realize it's three games, but that's why I played Hunter Renfro and Andrew McCutcheon saying what they said after the game is because it's three games, but they're trying to do this and it's working. It's one thing to talk the talk, but you got to walk the walk. And this Brewers offense has especially been doing that in these first three games against the Colorado Rockies. I realize it's the Rockies, but they're better than the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you see in the offense in these box scores, guys, the first game after the All-Star break, every starter and that lineup got a hit. Every starter had a hit in the, in, the, in the box score. Now, game two and three, pretty much only one batter in that Brewers starting lineup didn't get a hit. But that is drastically different from what you were seeing before the All-Star break. And on top of that, yesterday, it was close to the same thing. I think only Omar Narvaez and Jonathan Davis were the only guys that started on offense that couldn't tally a hit in the box score. But man, oh man, you give me that for the rest of this second half of the season and guys with a, making it a, a, a purposely, like a, a conscious decision, like I've been saying, to move runners across like they have. And then on top of that, you pair that with Freddie Peralta coming back, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns being who they are, Josh Hader hopefully figuring it out, and then you bring in another bat too at the trade deadline. I don't know. To me, it kind of changes my opinion on how I might view this Brewers team. 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. I really hope that Hayter can figure this out because I was watching those games over the weekend and I, for the first time in I can't even remember how long when he was, I think it was, I want to say, it was yesterday. It was during yesterday's game. That final inning, when he, the final out he recorded was that sort of awkward like throw over to first yeah, base. I thought he was going to potentially roll his ankle. And for the first time in forever, I found myself in a Hayter ninth inning before any pitches had even been thrown, wondering what hater are we going to see? Yep. I'd never felt that way before about him, and I hope that I don't feel that way again. Yeah, I was at the game yesterday, and man, oh man, you're right. 
that was pretty much the entire vibe of the all the people around me, especially myself, when Hayter was in that ninth inning, especially after he gave up the one run. And then it's Chris Bryant, a guy who has seen Josh Hader plenty of times in his career, hasn't been that successful against Josh Hader like his other former teammate Anthony Rizzo was, but still, given how Hader's been struggling, then you pair that with a guy who's seen him a couple times in his career, maybe a little nervous and made every Brewer fan around me nervous at the game yesterday too as well. So thankfully, it didn't cost you a loss. It wasn't great. It wasn't clean like you were hoping for with Josh Hader. But at the end of the day, we've heard from David Stearns today, who's talking to MLB Network. We've heard from Council multiple times. He's going to be the guy going forward. He's going to be the closer just because they know what he's capable of. I know a lot of Brewers fans are calling for Devin Williams to be the closer. And honestly, I don't think it'd be that crazy of a move because I've said this before last week. And I, it sounds, I, I talked about this yesterday with the people that I went to at the Brewer game. I brought it up and I say, when I say this, you're going to initially go, no. But then you think about it and you're going to go, oh yeah, maybe you're right. Devin Williams is more unhittable than Josh Hader. He just is, based on how nasty of his pitches are compared to Josh Hader. Josh Hader does it more so via arm slot and velocity and stuff like that, but Devin Williams throws a plus fastball, and his changeup is potentially one of the best, if not the best, pitch in the game. So Devin Williams would be an excellent closer. I don't have any hesitations about it. That's why when we talk about would you trade Josh Hader and stuff like that, like people are always quick to bring up how good Devin Williams is, and he's now up to, I believe, 27 consecutive scoreless innings, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, his pitching's been so great lately that when he was in the All-Star game, the national media didn't even want to pay attention to him and just focus on an interview with a player instead. Yeah, well, I heard, too, from Devin Williams after the first game uh, against the Rockies. They talked to him before the game. He said everybody knew going into the game that his changeup was that good, so he just decided to not throw it as much. He just wanted to go fastball and then that cutter he's been working on. But eventually he started throwing the changeups. But that's how good he is. He can still get outs without really throwing that changeup all that much. And he's struggled the past two beginnings of the season. Last year was because of the shoulder injury. This year, I don't know what it was. Dude just loved having the bases loaded. But for the most part, got out of it and only cost you about one or two games. But now he is Devin Williams. So we can get, we can get into that later on in the week about the Josh Hader-Devin Williams thing. But at the end of the day, I have confidence that Josh Hader is going to figure it out. I think it was a lot of it. It just has to do with him becoming a father for the first time. And look, man, I, I'm a young guy. I, mean, I don't know how that would affect me, but I tell you what, even if I'm only in there for an inning and high leverage pitches on top of that, I wouldn't be myself. That's for sure. So I have faith that Josh Hader will figure it out. But combining Josh Hader with Freddie Peralta coming back and how great this pitching staff is and hearing what you heard from Andrew McCutcheon and Hunter Renfro that they, they had a little meeting to begin the second half of the season, and they're making an effort to move runners across the plate without having to hit a home run every time. As Andrew McCutcheon said, they are taking what the other team is giving them. They're not trying to do too much, which is what they were kind of doing before, and that's kind of what the Brewers' DNA was. And if you're a Brewer fan and you love small ball and that's what you've been hoping for, those two sound bites have to be music to your ears. But knowing that, and we've seen that it's actually worked these first couple games against another, unfortunately, another sub-500 team, but it is working, and they are capable of it. If you bring in another bat, and then we all know how they are in the second half of the season since 2018, especially under Craig Council, I don't know, man. The question is, it's not, are the Brewers good? We know they're good. They're going to be a playoff team, either an NL Central champion again, or they're going to be a wildcard team at the end of the day. They're not going to miss the playoffs. I'm very confident. I'll take that to the bank. The question is, are they good enough to win and make a deep run against some of these other teams in the playoffs? Can they actually win series? And can they make it to the World Series? And then can they potentially win the World Series? Because you only got about a two- to three-year window with Josh Hader especially being gone potentially after next year or you potentially trade him. And then on top of that, you only got a couple more years with Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. And it's interesting because on the big show today, I mentioned with the whole Ashby extension through 2027, Mm -hmm. I had wondered if maybe that was sort of subliminal messaging from the Brewers (laughs) that, hey, our window's not closing. We're locking guys up for the next five years. What do you mean the window's closing? Well, we'll talk about that more at four o'clock. I'm sure you're kind of reading my mind. We'll talk about that, especially there in Ashby at four o'clock. But I'm just talking about what I've seen from the offense these past three games. If they can box this up, and translate it to hopefully not every series is going to happen, but 
for majority of the rest of the season and how I know they can perform in the second half of the season as well since 2018. I think they could potentially be winning some series in the playoffs, get over that hump, and hopefully make it to the World Series. Now, will they? I don't know. We A lot here on the afternoon show, we do the would you put it on your mama. I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. Now that you've heard what you heard from Andrew McCutcheon and Hunter Renfro, it's one thing to just see the box scores and be like, oh, they're having a good series, but they're making an effort to change up what their offensive philosophy is on offense. And it is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's all small ball, but it is a little bit of small ball. It's more than you would you know, expect from them in the past. You, you, you uh, pair that up with Hunter Renfro doing what he's doing, and if he can stay hot and he can stay healthy, that might change my opinion on this about, about about this team going into the playoffs, especially as I mentioned in the question if they do bring in another bat. And if you guys want to talk about who you hope that they bring in at the trade deadline, that's totally fine too. We'll talk about that more throughout the week. But 414-799-1250, you can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. If the Brewers add another bat and they can have another strong second half of the season before the playoffs, does that change your view on this team going forward? 414-799-1250, you can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. We'll take a break here. We'll continue more on the Fan Afternoon Show coming up before we talk a little bit of Packers. It is Sam Schmitz along with Adam Roberts here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And McCutcheon rips one. Center field. Over the head of Daza. In the score of Thomas. To Les right behind him. Andrew McCutcheon. Call him Andrew McCutcheon. Brewers have the lead 10 to 8. Once again, highlight courtesy of Bally Sports Wisconsin. I can't get enough of that. That was just, oh man, that whole inning, especially when Rowdy Telez was up to bat, everybody was standing up. And then the McCutcheon at bat happened as well shortly after that. What a great game to be at yesterday if you were at American Family Field. Want to hear from you guys. 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. Talking about yesterday's game, but more importantly, kind of doing a big picture question as far as the second half of the season. Now that we're only three games in to the second half. Asking you guys, 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. If the Brewers bring in another bat, which we all assume they're going to at the trade deadline, and they can keep up this offensive performance, kind of box it up, and hopefully it translates to the rest of the second half, knowing what they've done in the second half especially and how good they can be in September. If they do this rest of the season, does that kind of change your outlook on this team? Because I know a lot of people, they have their doubts about these guys on offense, especially when you look at the batting averages and stuff like that. But a lot of these guys, aside from maybe McCutcheon at this point in his career and how old he is, but what you're getting out of Andrew McCutcheon, it's what you're hoping for and then maybe even a little better. But Everyone else pretty much in this lineup, even Willie Adamas, even guys like Colton Wong, who's been hot to start the second half of the season, Luis Arias especially, who had a huge nine pitch at bat, driving some runs yesterday too as well. A lot of these guys on offense that were main pieces and driving in runs last year, they're not even performing up to par. And I think with this new philosophy that the team has clearly made a conscious effort to utilize in the second half of the season if they can keep it up a lot of these guys I think you're going to see them get back to par with their career batting averages and that's going to be huge that might even be bigger than whoever they bring in at the trade deadline to help but if these guys can get back to who they are once again if they can get back to their career batting averages hopefully all of them if not just a couple of them on top of that you bring in another bat 
You pair that with the pitching staff and Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns being themselves, especially Brandon Woodruff as of late. Freddie Peralta coming back in about a couple weeks in mid-August. Josh Hader, hopefully he figures it out. You add bullpen depth. You already added Jake McGee, and he had a pretty good outing in his first game at the Brewers over the weekend. I think they're probably going to bring in another bullpen arm, but if you if you combine all that, Craig Council says, he always has his soup analogy. You pour that all into one soup. Does that change how you view this Brewers team going into the playoffs? And does that change your outlook on what you think they can do in the playoffs? And once again, I realize we're only three games into the second half of the season, but they've had a great series on offense, and it's mainly because they've actually gone out and tried to take what the other team gives them. That's what Andrew McCutcheon said. Once again, here's what Andrew McCutcheon had to say about the offense after the game and changing their approach on offense. It's it's showing that, uh, like I said earlier, it's it's, it's, uh, taking advantage of what they give you, take what they give you. Uh, I think when we go through those ruts, a lot of times we try and create something that's not there. and uh, we try to do a little too much. And I think uh, once we take the uh, this next guy up mentality, when we're just like, all right, he didn't give me anything, next guy up. You know, and I think when we do that, continue just to trust the guy behind you. So that was Andrew McCutcheon, a little bit of what he talked about after the game. And I, I realize it's only three games, but like clearly, like I said, you look at these box scores and what they're doing. These guys, especially in the first half of the season, majority, if not all of them, like we said, it's the Brewers' DNA over the past couple of years. It's just home run or nothing kind of with these guys. But if they can just mix in, as Brewers fans have been hoping for and you know preaching for this whole season, if they can just be a little bit more of a small ball team, if they can just, as Andrew McCutcheon later on said, take what, the Brewers, take what other teams give them in at-bats, not try to do too much. You saw Christian Yelich. Yeah, he could have tried to swing for the fences like he has been and <laughs> looking for that clutch hit all year. But once again, he gets on base and draws a huge walk to start that comeback. Willie Adamas gets on base, and Rowdy Telez, as opposed to trying for swing for the fences and a go-ahead three-run home run, Rowdy Telez comes up with a huge hit to drive in a run, and then Andrew McCutcheon follows him up with a go-ahead RBI double. Not really what the Brewers have been all year. Now, on top of that, a lot of the times yesterday in that game on Sunday especially, the pitching wasn't all that great. Eric Lauer kind of got roughed up, and I think there was only one or two innings all game that the Rockies hadn't scored. So this Brewers pitching staff wasn't really who they were, you know, all throughout the season. But on top of that, they, the, uh, the Brewers kept on losing the lead. And then they would gain the lead. You had Tyrone Taylor's pinch hit home run as well, which was huge. Mike Brasso, of all people, comes up with another huge RBI. And then on top of that, we just talked about the rally that they had in the eighth inning as well. It's very unlike, it's very unlike the Brewers, who they were in the first half of the season, to lose a lead like they did multiple times throughout the game and still find ways to score runs. How many times in a game, especially because the Rockies scored first yesterday, how many times is it like, oh, other team scored, that's it. This Brewers offense is only going to put up one or two runs. That's the game. They can't do it. Not this series. It's like the Brewers are almost like hitting in Colorado this series. <laughs> Just multiple runs. Just look at these numbers that they're putting up. I mean, 10 runs, 9 runs, all the like, high-scoring games. And the Brewers are in every single one of them. Hunter Renfro has been a machine. But a lot of these hits, especially, have been uncharacteristic ways. And as you heard from Andrew McCutcheon, it's a conscious effort by this offense. They got together and they said, we are going to take what the other team gives them. And I love it because you're going to have to do that in the playoffs, especially. So just some crazy numbers from yesterday's game. I talked about the pitching and how it wasn't all that great. They tied their season high in walks allowed. They also tied their season high in how many batters they hit, which is a pretty big factor in that. But on the offense, of their 10 runs batted in on, on yesterday's game, eight came with two strikes, including Yelich and Telez and McCutcheon's at-bats in the eighth inning. Five of the Brewers' RBI, it's not, RB, it's not RBIs, it's RBI. <laughs> Five of the Brewers' RBI also came with two outs. Where has that been with the bases loaded earlier this year? And then overall this season, it's kind of like it, you just, once again, I, I, I got to repeat, if they can just box this up and do what they've done in these first three games for the rest of the season, it's going to go, it's going to go miles for this Brewers offense. But I've been pretty harsh. I'm not going to lie at him. I've been pretty harsh in this Brewers offense for the first half of the season. I went from a guy who thought they had going into the season. I said they had a chance to do, do I think my win total was 93. And then 
Rami, being the guy he is, of course, he wants to ask the harsh questions. He said, well, what do they do in the playoffs? And I said, I think they make it to the NLCS, but I can't say what they do after that. If they can do this, if they're clearly trying to move runners across the plate and not hit home runs every time, granted, Hunter Renfro is still doing what he does. But if you have guys like Andrew McCutcheon have a clutch go-ahead RBI double and you're moving runners across and you're having good at-bats and you're putting, you know, if you're driving the pitcher's pitch count up, if you're doing that on purpose and you combine that with the pitching staff and all that, I might go back to what I was t- how I was talking about the Brewers before the season began. And once again, 414-799, or you can tweet us at 1250 and the fan. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would love if the what we saw over the weekend, and by the way, Something I was, this just came to me as I was crafting my thought. Ulysse Chassin made a surprise appearance. I forgot that he was a part of the Colorado bullpen now. Oh, he is still my, pitching so slow, dude. My, what is with how the mighty have fallen. Yeah. That, that was not a great effort from him. I, mean, I know he was kind of put in a tough spot. He had to come back out after that big inning that he gave up. Uh, but, man, that, that just was not not good. Ulysse Chassin will forever be a folk hero in Milwaukee Brewers, you know, legend and all that, but I cannot stand guys who pitch slow, especially when it's a blowout. And that game on Saturday, I think it was like, it was one inning, but I felt like, I think it was a sixth inning in that one game that Chassin did pitch against the Brewers. It felt like that one inning was like literally an hour long. (laughs) I know yesterday's game was like four plus hours and man, oh man, did it feel like it. But like I said, it was a quality game where you had guys purposely driving up the pitch count. You had a bunch of you know full counts yesterday on both teams. Brewers, like I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, a lot of their runs came with two outs. So that's that's the reason why yesterday's game was long. But unlike Ulysse Chassin, I just I just don't get like just let's go pitch the ball. You're already down by a bunch of runs. Anyways, you ma- you do make a good point though about the two out hitting, which mm-hmm. I did notice in this series more than other series in the past, and maybe it's been there, but I don't really think it has. But these last three games, yeah, a lot of their damage has been coming in that. By the way, Sam, I have a lineup for tonight's game. Let's uh let's save that for Tim Allen. Okay. Later on tonight or later on this afternoon. We'll talk to Tim Allen at four thirty of the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball post game show. We'll also do some night's gourmet popcorn as well. But asking you guys four one four seven nine nine twelve fifty, you can tweet us at twelve fifty and the fan. If the Brewers get a bat, which we assume they will, and they have another strong second half before the postseason. Does that change your outlook on this team? 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250 and the fan. Gunslinger on Twitter tweets at 1250 and the fan. Not yet sold on this Brewer's new philosophy about trusting the guy behind you and just giving you what the pitcher and giving what the pitcher gives you. Right now it's words, but words need to, needed to hear. And they did it versus a bad team, 10 games under 500. Yes, the Rockies are a bad team. But they're not the Pittsburgh Pirates and they're not the Cincinnati Reds at the end of the day. Now do it versus playoff caliber pitching, and I'll be sold. Well, it's not playoff caliber pitching because Chris Sale just got injured again, unfortunately. But he will have another good test in the Boston Red Sox, who are down bad and are going to do everything they can to win a series against the Milwaukee Brewers this weekend after they face the Minnesota Twins. Because Boston, if you haven't seen, they are down bad. It's, it's sad right now in Boston. They lost a game against the Blue Jays over the weekend. They lost like 28, I believe it was like 28 to 7. Against the Toronto Blue Jays, they got swept by Toronto. They didn't even get seven. There was only five runs. Jeez. But, yeah, I mean, Boston, they do not want to be sellers of the trade deadline, a team that was just at the ALCS last year. But if it keeps on going bad and the Brewers win another series, like they did against the Rockies this series, it could force these teams into being sellers. But later on, I, I was wondering during the game, I was looking at the schedule, you haven't even faced the Dodgers at all this season. So you're going to see them twice in the second half of the season. You'll see the New York Yankees as well in September. So, Plenty of good teams sprinkled in in the second half of the schedule for the Milwaukee Brewers if you're not sold on this new philosophy. I understand. I get it. It's it's only three games, but like I said, and Gunslinger brought it up, but I kind of talked about it earlier before. They're talking the talk, but these three games, they actually walk the walk. It's one thing to say we got together and we're, we're trying to make a conscious effort to drive runners across the plate and we're trying to just give what the other team take, you know, take what the other team gives us. It's one thing to say it, but they've actually been doing it. Now, granted, they're still hitting a lot of home runs, especially Hunter Renfro is just on fire and all that. But if they're actually trying to do it and they have the, you're seeing in the series that they have the ability to actually speak those words into existence, you pair that on top with the pitching staff, Josh Hader and Devin Williams. I don't know, man. I was very harsh on this Brewer team in the first half, but if they're going to do what they did here for the rest of the season, I might change about how I'm talking. I mean, I might be more on the, if we're going like, 
Tim Allen spectrum versus just, you know, negative brewers talking all that. I'm more so I might be leaning towards the 2022 championship season and all that. That's all I'm saying. So 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. Once again, 414-799-1250. Oh, boy. It's our leadoff guy. Let's go out to the phones. Let's go out to Trav. Trav, you're on the afternoon show. What's up, man? I just got back. Usually I'm earlier, but uh, yeah. yeah, usually there's more callers. But uh, Sam, right. uh, you hit it down the head. I'm not going to put it on my mama, but uh, a little small ball opens up every possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about putting runs across. I know there's certain um, situations, you know, but if you guys, if, if you know, it depends on the outs and all that. Even if Yelich is up and, you know, he likes to bunt towards the left side, but, you know, how much time do you think they put in practice on bunting, you know? And, uh, I don't know about that, yeah. What? So, I, I don't know. We can talk about how good of bunters these guys are, but it's it, it's such a guess. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you can put on the, uh, not the suicide squeeze, but the squeeze, everything. Right. Every run counts in the postseason. So, uh, with Hader, I think, uh, yeah, you know, he could be on a trade block. I think he's staying. I think maybe with the baby, like you said, uh, I think we'll be all right. I'm not putting yeah. on my mama, like I said, but we'll be there. And if we keep it up, just win every series and, yeah. You know, like the Braves, you know, cliche or whatever. But any team, you just got to catch lightning in the bottle. So. Yep. Thanks, Trav. I appreciate the phone yep. call as always. Yep. Bye. Bye. All right. And like to Trav's point, too, they're going to have to do this a little more small ball here in the playoffs going forward. That's going to do it for right now for the Brewers Talk. We'll dive into some Packers after the break. After the break as well, we have some huge Packers news, some huge breaking news. We'll get into that more. It is the Fan Afternoon Show. Sam Schmitz and Adam Roberts in here on 1250 and the Fan. Packers news coming up after the break. Welcome back to the Fan Afternoon Show. Sam Schmitz and Adam Roberts in with you this afternoon. As I mentioned before we went into the break, we have some big Packers news, but want to remind you guys this portion of the afternoon show brought to you by News Nation. Want the news without the noise? News Nation is news for all of America, reporting all sides, no spin and no agendas. Go to newsnationnow.com slash join us to find News Nation on your television provider. Once again, we have some huge Packers breaking news. Breaking news on the fan is brought to you by the Beat the Streak podcast. Get an inside edge on how to win the $5.6 million prize every day this baseball season. Listen on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcasts. According to Rob Domoski and first reported by Tom Pelissero on NFL Network, Mark Murphy talked about it earlier today on the at the Packers shareholders meeting but had no comment. But it has been reported that a league source confirmed that Lef- Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekinds, and Russ Ball all did contract ex- extensions this offseason and will be a part of the organization for years to come. But Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekinds, and Russ Ball all signing extensions for the Green Bay Packers, something that I know we've been talking about a lot here at on the fan, especially on the Wendy's Big Show, Adam, where you guys were talking about. Leroy especially. Yeah, whether yeah, Leroy's been itching to figure out when or when if they were going to extend these guys. So I have a funny feeling he's going to be on the show tomorrow with Toby Altizer and myself because he's going to have some things to say oh, yeah. about this. That definitely will be must-listen to. On top of that, Leroy also got his gold jacket yesterday. So congratulations to the Pro Football Hall of Famer who will be enshrined next week. That'll be great. But – once again, if you guys are just tuning in now, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekinds, and Russ Ball all being extended by the Green Bay Packers. So <laughs> some some Packers fans who are very harsh on the team and, and are demanding a Super Bowl may be a little frustrated with this, but it's a win. It is. I mean, a guy like Russ Ball especially, who is just a salary cap wizard, Brian Gutekinds, who has been able to find guys like Devondre Campbell and stuff like that. On top of that, Matt LaFleur, one of the best coaches in his first three seasons with the Green Bay Packers. Now you can argue it's partly because of Aaron Rodgers, but he's still got to be a good coach at the end of the day. All signing extensions with the Green Bay Packers. Tom Palacero was talking about this a little bit a couple minutes ago on NFL Network. Here's what Tom Palacero had to say. Comment on the contractual status of his coach, Matt LaFleur, or Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, but I can tell you that both, along with Russ Ball, their executive vice president and the director of football operations, all have had their contracts extended. This actually took place 
months ago that they got these done right around the time of the NFL draft. LaFleur had one year plus an option left on the deal that he signed before the 2019 season. Safe to say that LaFleur has outperformed that 39-10 and 10 since he took over as the head coach of the team. That's the most wins by any head coach over their first three seasons in NFL history. Still has the Super Bowl and winning one out there in front of him, but certainly LaFleur, the job that he's done with Aaron Rodgers winning back-to-back MVPs with the Packers continuing to be a perennial playoff team. A no-brainer for Green Bay to extend him and Brian Gutekunst for the long haul. So there was Tom Pellicero on the NFL Network literally minutes ago, thanks to Adam Roberts, who got that for us. If you're just tuning in now, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, Russ Ball, all receiving contract extensions with Green Bay Packers. Now, we have yet to find out the details of each contract and how long they're all extended for, but we can confirm, according to Rob Domoski, Tom Pellicero, and other guys of the NFL Network, that all three of those guys of the Packers organization, Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, and Russ Ball, all extended by the Green Bay Packers. So I always find that funny when a guy from the team, especially like a team president and stuff like that, like has to talk about something and they say, yeah, we don't know. We can't comment on that. And then like literally a couple hours later it happens because Mark Murphy was asked about that. At the shareholders meeting earlier today and had no comment. And then sure enough, a couple hours later, it's announced that all three of these main features of the Packers organization have been extended. So Good news if you're a Green Bay Packer fan. We'll talk about another topic in a couple minutes here as well. But do want to get out to the phone lines if you want to talk about this. 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250 AM. The fan. Let's get out to the phone lines. Tony in Texas, you're on the afternoon show. Hey, Sam. Hey, this this shows you that, that Goon Coos and LaFleur, they're not idiots. They knew they had to keep Rodgers. They they keep Rodgers around. They, they, they mend that relationship. And then not only do the Packers win games, didn't win a, did not win a Super Bowl, but now these guys have gotten extensions, and ultimately there's only 32 of these jobs, right? Right. So, I mean, that, it was a win-win for them to, to extend Rodgers. I mean, that that's the key to this, right, Sam, keeping Rodgers around? Yeah, well, especially I, I'm feeling he's going to just play out like at least two to three more years, but to be able to have a guy like Gutekunst who has shown that it's not just Aaron Rodgers, like he can go out and find a guy like Devondre Campbell and bring in a guy like Rasul Douglas who – Let's be honest, we didn't really expect what we saw from them last year, but taking a gamble on those guys and drafting a couple studs too as well in the draft, like Elton Jenkins and stuff like that, like you have to keep Brian Gudikins as well. Matt LaFleur, he could have gotten fired after his first year. You you have Aaron Rodgers, but you can still have bad play calling and stuff like that. So Matt LaFleur is definitely a great coach. And then I'm the most excited about Russ Ball, which kind of sound which kind of sounds a little funny, but man oh man, I want that man to do my taxes, that's for sure. But I'm very glad to have all three of these guys under team control for the for years to come. Yeah, hey, to follow up what you just said, Sam, I know Goon Coos, he's found some diamonds in a rough. I don't want to say it, make light of that. He definitely did. You know, he's found, like, Rasul Douglas, like Devondre Campbell. He's had some great draft picks. But ultimately, we all we all know that Aaron stirs this drink right here. And oh, then, for sure. And Aaron put pressure on the organization. So say what you want about his antics. Aaron putting pressure on our organization ultimately helped the Packers become a better team. And then I got to give kudos to Matt LaFleur, though. His relationship building between Aaron and the front office has been outstanding. And then Russ Ball, like you said, Sam, being able to do that, that fuzzy math and getting things worked out. Hey, it sounds like a great partnership. I'm excited about the season. So uh, looking forward to Packer football, bud. Appreciate it, Tony. Once again, 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250AMTheFan. Talking about Matt LaFleur, Brian Kudigans, and Russ Ball all being extended by the Green Bay Packers. Let's go out to the phone lines again. Let's go out to Dave and Cudahy. Dave, you're on the afternoon show. Afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Hello. I, I am uh, super pumped to hear this news. I mean, I was ready to just talk Brewers, but now I get Packers and Brewers excitement. Let's I know, right? Go. Well, you can always talk about both. I'm, you know, the fan afternoon show, especially when Rami was here, we've never held people back from talking about whatever they want to talk about. So feel free to do whatever you want, Dave. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So, first, Packers, yes, this absolutely needs to happen. Gudikins and LaFleur have been the most solid DM-head coach combo in the league since they came into it. So, I mean, why the heck wouldn't you extend them? And the fact that they got it done without any uh, sort of real issue is uplifting, to say the least, because, you know, we've kind of had a tumultuous past couple years with uh, extensions and contracts. So yeah. thank God they got this done. Now, Brewers, I don't care what they do, but they have to do something. They can't just sit back idle and be fine with this team right now. 
So whether or not you end up trading a piece, whether it be a big or a little, or you actually go out and get some uh, actual production as well in the batting category, I really don't care. Just don't bring back Jordan Lyles. That's all I care. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do that. I think if anything, pitching-wise, I don't see them adding a starter. I think they're just going to add potentially just one more bullpen arm. But, yeah, I mean, if they can bring it on the bat. But, Dave, the thing I was talking about earlier – what I heard from Andrew McCutcheon and Hunter Renfro after the game, like the fact that they're actually like making an effort to just play a little bit of small ball on top of like who they are just as a team, the home run or nothing kind of type of stuff. Just seeing what you've seen in these first three games and knowing that they're actually like they got together and talked about it, like that's that's very encouraging to me. And praise the baseball gods for that because I have been preaching this for majority of the season is playing some small ball. That's what this team looks like. This does not look like the home run teams in years past, right? These are guys that make contact and have some speed to them as well. So get on base, man. Just keep moving them because, I mean, that's more demoralizing than home run. Yeah, especially those couple games in San Francisco when you have the bases loaded, no outs, and you just get nothing out of it. But, I mean, yesterday, if they can kind of rep- – like I said, if they can just – I know they're not going to be able to do this for the rest of the season, especially you might even see a step back in the next series, but – if they can just box this up, the Brewers' offense, and do what they're doing and sprinkle a little home runs here and there and stuff like that. But when you get what you got in the eighth inning where you don't even have a single home run and you end up t- getting back the lead, that's that's a big step up for me as far as what the Brewers were early in the season. And they did better 10-2 win or something like that. They scored 10 runs without a home run. Yeah. Uh, Dave, my man, unfortunately I'm losing you. I'm going to have to let you go. but. Some great points they made about the Milwaukee Brewers. But, yeah, the Green Bay Packers especially. Man, when he was talking about Russ Ball there, Adam, how many times were we talking about before the offseason began how bad the Packers' salary cap was? And we heard from guys like Ken Ingles and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't want to throw Ken on the bus. I love Ken. He's a, you know, big fan of the show, and we've had him on other than that. But, like, not just Ken Ingles, but a lot of people were expecting, myself included, that we weren't going to be able to keep a guy like Devondre Campbell. We weren't going to be able to keep a guy like Russell Douglas, especially when you have to pay Aaron Rodgers. And then we didn't even know at the time that Devontae wanted out. But yeah, it gives new meaning to the term balling on a budget. Think about what Russ Ball is able to do with extensions and bonuses and stuff like that, manipulating the salary cap. You still have now Devondre Campbell after you paid Aaron Rodgers the contract that you gave him. You still have Rasul Douglas to go along with Eric Stokes and Jair Alexander. You brought in a guy like Jaron Reed to go along with your rookie Devontae Wyatt, and you drafted a guy like Quay Walker to go along with all that defense, but bringing those guys back, especially and manipulating the cap and bringing a lot of, bringing back a lot of guys that were probably going to be gone. Randall Cobb too, Mason Crosby. We thought those guys could potentially have gotten cut. So I'm obviously really excited for Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekinds. And I guess I didn't really think about Russ Ball leaving, but <laughs> like this news just makes me so happy knowing that these guys who I completely agree. I didn't really get to talk about what Tony said. I completely agree. Like Rogers, this is a big part of like why or Rogers putting his foot down and like saying he put pressure on the Packers organization. I completely agree with Tony. Like, yes, Rogers did do that. And this is a big reason why these guys are getting extensions because Rogers did put the pressure on them. But at the end of the day, like I'm happy for it because unfortunately you lost Devonte Adams, but Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, despite Aaron Rodgers kind of bringing in a flamethrower to begin the season last year, they still have a good relationship. And Brian Gutekinds and Aaron Rodgers, who clearly Brian Gutekinds wanted to move on from Aaron Rodgers, potentially in drafting Jordan Love, and he wanted to make that a thing. Like, Brian Gutekinds and Aaron Rodgers, like, they have a good relationship right now. I can pretty much say it. Maybe maybe fake, maybe smoke and mirrors, but it's better than what it was to begin the season beforehand. That's for sure. 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250AmTheFan. We were going to talk about the offensive line and David Bakhtiari news and wide receivers and stuff like that, but obviously this kind of took the front seat to it. So if you guys want to talk about the Packers extending Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekinds, and Russ Ball, once again, we're still hopefully we're waiting to see the details of all these contracts and the years and stuff like that. But we do know that these guys are extended. If you guys want to talk about the Packers doing that, 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1258 in the fan. Let's go to the phone lines again before we hit a break. Let's go to Dan and Racine. Dan, you're on the fan. My call and, and I like the extensions, man. You can't go wrong with not having to start out fresh with something new. So right. this is all great news. Not to mention, uh, Rogers is seven and zero, uh, and Devontae Adams isn't starting. So yeah, that's a nice stat to have. 
Hey, the other thing, this is kind of a spin on like probably nothing that maybe you talked about yet, but this has kind of been on my cross since I heard the news over the weekend. How does this team, and I'm not a big fan of the Bucks ownership. Don't get me wrong. I love the Bucks, Giannis and that. I'm not, I'm not happy with this ownership just because they're, they're way too New Yorkish, kind of pompous. Don't, I don't know. They just rub me wrong. And now this really eats at me because you're pulling Miller, literally the brewery that's down the street, mm-hmm. and go, going with Budweiser. Yeah. We didn't get to talk about Actually, it dropped like in the final half hour of our show on Friday, but we, for some reason, like probably my fault probably, we didn't get to it or we didn't have enough time. But sure, I talked about no, that I with a couple it. of people at the Brewer game actually yesterday because we obviously know what happened at American Family Field, the fact that it's called that. But, I mean, on top of the naming rights for that ballpark and then now, like you said, Budweiser is going to be taking over at Pfizer Forum for Coors. Right. Oh, man, talk oh. about a sour taste in my mouth. That is just really yeah. unfortunate and just kind of sad and frustrating at the same time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially with the jobs and I got a history with that brewery. And I don't know, man, just eats at me because, like mm-hmm. you said, we don't need Budweiser. This was our, you know, it's been a competitor <laughs> for so many years, and I don't like the taste. You know, I, it's a whole different taste, and I, I don't even <laughs> drink it. So No, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a beer guy as well, Dan. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that was in our news and notes we were going to talk about later on the show. But, yeah, it is something that we didn't touch on last week before we left. So thank you for the phone call, man. Cool, man. Appreciate it. I'll keep listening. Thanks, man. Great. Oh, sorry about that, Dan. But, yeah, yes. <laughs> Something that popped up, like, and I was talking about with a couple of people at the Brewery game, too. Like, all right, it was one thing to go from Miller Park to American Family Field. But then on top of that, now, like, both Milwaukee arenas and stadiums or whatever you want to call them, like, the fact that both, like, you know, Miller isn't a part of them anymore, like, that's, it's frustrating. And on top of that, like, it's Budweiser, too. Like, I'm a Wisconsin guy through in and throughout. But that, I'm sorry, that's heartbreaking, Adam. Yeah, I mean, speaking as a, a beer drinker myself, it is unfortunate. I mean, now I'm not going to go and try to figure out the logistics and the numbers of what they were offered by Anheuser to get them into that stadium. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it is on Miller to, you know. Yeah, and they didn't want the naming rights. They Apparently, right. they were they had a chance, and they're just like, no, we're ending that partnership. Oh, so man. It's just, it, I, you're right, though. You bring up a good point. At the end of the day, it is on them to pay the money. And clearly, they didn't want to or didn't have the money. Now, that being said, I also am not a big Budweiser guy, and this is not Milwaukee guy talking here. This is just beer guy talking. Mm-hmm. I don't like the taste. No, I don't like do the I. taste. Now, Miller, okay, I'm not going to sit here and say Miller is the Shangri-La of light beer, but Budweiser is just so... Wh- it's what's, like the a, word? what's the word? Uh, I don't even I don't even have a word for you, but I, can, I have a description for you. Go ahead. It's like water that you find underneath a, a trash bin outside. And you just put it in a bottle. Dang. That's my take. You're not wrong. That's my take. It's bad. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just, it's Milwaukee and it's Wisconsin, though. And that you're, you're losing a little bit of that, and that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. But you're right, though. You bring up a good point that, at the end of the day, they have to pay the money, and they decided not to or they couldn't. So I'm glad Dan brought that up. That was something that we were going to talk about later on, especially that we missed on Friday. But it is something, if you guys want to talk about, feel free. Go ahead. We have already kind of a pickle lane before we even get to 5 o'clock, but... We're going to go back to talking about the Brewers after the break here before we get to Tim Allen at 4.30. Got to talk about this Aaron Ashby extension and what it means for Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. But we just had breaking news about 15 minutes ago via Tom Pelissero and Rob Domofsky about the Packers extending Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekinds, and Russ Ball. We were going to talk about David Bakhtiari and the wide receiver group and the offensive line, but we'll probably dive into that tomorrow. But if you guys want to talk about Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekinds, Russ Ball, all being extended, feel free to tweet or call in at us. 414-799-1250. You can tweet us at 1250 the fan, as I mentioned before. We'll take a break. We'll dive into the Brewers once again after the break. It is Sam Schmitz and Adam Roberts here on the afternoon show on 1250 AM. The fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 